0: Last week, we looked at the five graces of our general. And I remember we could only cover, how many did we cover? How many did we cover? We covered three. A man can stand before Jesus and be carrying three graces or four graces or five graces or even one grace or no grace at all. And when I talk about grace, I'm talking about an ability beyond the natural. An ability that is not man-made, or it is not natural, or it is not usual. The Lord Jesus is the source of grace. But there is a grace he gives through various men and women. There is a grace he has given through the apostles. There is a grace he has given through prophets. There is a grace he has given through pastors. There is a grace he has given through evangelists and teachers. And just to wrap it up, uh, just to tie it up from last week. Last week we agreed that the grace of a pastor, we looked at two of them. We said a pastor is a master chef. A pastor is a master chef who cooks for the children of the king. He gives them food. And one beautiful illustration was the testimony of this church. This church, when it began, before it began, Moi had a dream. And she saw a beautiful hotel exactly like this, plus the roof and the, the opening at the top. And she saw people coming and eating and going, people coming and eating and going. There was so much food and drink, and many people came to be fed. So, Pastor, when he had it, he thought, whoo, our hotel business, that time they had a hotel, is going to the next level. Little did he know the next level meant close the natural, open the spiritual. So, they shut down the hotel business and they came and they, you know, they, they pioneered the church. So, the grace of a pastor is the grace of a chef. He cooks for the children of the king, he feeds them. Again, the other grace we looked at was the grace of an instructor. An instructor means you have little minds, little souls, and you begin to instruct them till they are of age. And we looked at uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 to 2, which says, even the son of a king... As long as he's still young, he cannot be entrusted to inherit anything. He must sit under tutors till he's of age. He must sit, another word for the tutors there is instructors. And Paul later on now says before that in uh, 2 Corinthians that though you have 10,000 instructors, you have one father. An instructor and a father are different. And we covered it last week. Then we came to the prophet. We said, a prophet carries how many things? Three things. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, the Bible says, whoever prophesies, he prophesies to men, to their edification, to their exhortation, and to their comfort. So what is edification? We agreed an edifier is somebody who increases. He boosts you. He strengthens you. Joseph as an edifier when he enters Egypt, Egypt transforms to a superpower because a prophet had been allowed to take over. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And we said this last week that anyone who needs edification simply must submit to a prophetic grace and the grace will boost you. And we looked also at exhortation. We also looked at Comfort. And in comfort, we said how David met men who were in distress. They were in discomfort. They were in debt. And he took over from them. And immediately, all the debts they had, all the distress they had, all the headaches that was there in them, it began to lift. Then we looked at the apostle. But today, I want us to look at something so beautiful. My God, if you open your heart, your life is going to change. I want us to look at the grace of the evangelist. Then we'll finish up with the grace of a teacher. An evangelist carries three things. But before we write them down or before we look at them in scripture, I want to give you a surprising thing that will, if it was a Nigerian church, you'll jump out of your seat and say, oh, you know, whoa! oh, hey, hey. <laughs> they even beat their chest, hey, hey, you wonder what is going on. Those people are emotional. I want to give you something that will make you jump out of your seat, so to speak. Are you aware that in this current age, every nation, every family, is as great to the extent of how much they have embraced evangelism. The secret behind America's success is not in the geniuses who live there or in the politician. America is the first evangelistic nation in the world. No nation on earth has supported the preaching of the gospel to reach the poor and to reach those who are unconverted like the United States. Their favor is tied to their evangelistic mission and their evangelistic mandate. Are you aware there were days Britain supported missionary work like no other nation and those were the days Britain became a superpower. The day they stopped sending missionaries was the day they stopped being a superpower. Are you aware right now the most famous preachers, what do we call them? Tele-evangelists. Not tele-prophets, tele-evangelists. Those ones who preach prayer at last minute, if you are yet to receive Jesus, this is your chance. Are you aware that the families around the world that are committed to supporting evangelists, they are the richest, they are the most prosperous, they are the most favored? Are you aware of that? (laughs) Are you aware that if this church we want to see people just flocking from all over and we want to see people excited and people just whistling and happy and free, we only need to embrace the evangelist as I'm going to prove to you from Scripture. An evangelist carries three things. Ah, let me rub it again. Are you aware that the people with the biggest mansion in heaven are evangelists? Every man I know who has gone to heaven, who has shown mansions, they come crying, eh, 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 The mansion of John Wesley, eh, 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 it is one of the biggest. Oh, the mansion of evangelists, so and so, is the biggest. In fact, Some of you will be taken to heaven one of these days. In heaven, mansions are not just big, they are also shiny. The most shiny mansions are of evangelists. Daniel 12, verse 3 says, Those who turn many to righteousness shall shine like the stars. What is it to turn many from righteousness? I mean, from unrighteousness. It is to be evangelistic. The first grace an evangelist carries is the grace of the star or the grace of shining. No one shines like an evangelist. There's a man I love watching. He's called Sid Roth. Some of you know him. It's supernatural. And when you look at him, Sid Roth here and there is a shining on his face that is amazing. And everybody around seed just blazes up and they just shine and they just brighten up. Why? Because seed roth is an evangelist. And anytime time any group of people have a dullness on their life, it is because the evangelistic grace is lacking. They are yet to embrace evangelism. They are yet to support evangelism. They are yet even to facilitate the evangelists. You want to shine? You want to radiate? You want to be be a star? Begin to support evangelists. Begin to evangelize. Begin to pray for the evangelists. Begin to pray for souls. Daniel 12.3 Those who shall be men turning away others from unrighteousness, they will shine. Show me a church that is committed to soul winning. That church is a shining church. That church has a radiance to it. It has a light to it. It has a brightness to it. Show me also a church where people don't care about souls and they don't care about reaching the lost. That church will be full of dullness. The difference between those who will shine and those who will be dull it is in evangelism. America is shining in the world right now, not because of Facebook, not because of Google, but because at the foundation of that nation is a commitment to evangelize the whole world. There was a day, I was not yet born, neither my grandfather, but there was a day Britain was shining and all roads were leading to Britain. Why? Let me shock you. And I hope you are going to pray, right? You are going to pray for the evangelistic grace to come upon you? You're going to pray. And where you, you can, you'll begin to commit to praying for souls. Let me shock you. If you want to see resources come to your life, like this church, if you want to see resources come to this church, like crazy, just commit to soul winning. Anytime God sees a soul winner committed, there is nothing that man or that woman needs that God will not give. The day Britain committed to soul winning and sending John, 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 you know, John Livingstone to Zambia and all these other evangelists they sent to Nyaururu and all these places, those were the days the British Empire had wealth at their feet when they lost that. And they focused more on colonization and on politics. The grace lifted and it went to the United States. It has never lifted from the United States. The day any family like yours will commit to soul winning will commit to reaching out for souls. will commit to praying for souls. There is nothing I promise you, the Lord will not give you, to go and take your soul winning to another level. The people riding jets right now in ministry, majority are evangelists. Not because they have stolen from people, but because they have bargained with God and told God, I need to reach them faster. Facilitate me. And God has had to facilitate them. Bonke came to Kisumu and uh, one thing with evangelists how many know Bonke? Bonke comes to Kisumu and one thing with evangelists like I've told you no ministry in the body of Christ carries favor like the evangelistic ministry. So Bonke comes to Kisumu and immediately arrives people began to give money and there's a man who brought a Mercedes Benz and gave him And Bonke looked at him and he said, listen to me, man, I don't need this Mercedes. Because as we speak, I already have people who have committed to giving me a jet. I have a jet that takes me wherever I go. I will not need this car. Please, I don't need it. And why was the man so confident to return to Mercedes? Because his evangelism had gone to the level all he needed now was a plan. But even then, the plan was there. You want to be broke? Ignore souls. You want to be rich? Commit to souls. A nation committing to souls will be made a superpower if that is what it will take even for them to do that job. We are going to pray for evangelists. But after that, we are going to commit to evangelism. I'm not saying now all of you become evangelists. Not many of you are evangelists. But you know friends who are evangelists. You know men of God who are evangelists. You know women of God who are evangelists. Pray for them and where you can. Put your money where your prayers are going. And see what God will do with you. There was a man who had a weakness. All of you know him. When I was a young boy, he fell into a scandal. Bill Clinton, he had his own weaknesses. But as a teenager, he fell in love with the ministry of Billy Graham. And he began to commit every month to sending Billy Graham money. And one day, he was given a promise. That because you are so committed to this ministry, the Lord is going to lift you and set you on the world stage. He became the president. But not only did he become president, he also stood with Israel. And it earned him a blessing, despite of all his weaknesses. (laughs) I repeat, favor is with evangelism. Favor is with evangelism. You may be called even to be a politician like Bill was called to be a politician. And therefore, you are not able to evangelize. But even then, you can commit your resources to supporting evangelists. You will see what will happen. I love it when sometimes I'm walking in town and I see a genuine evangelist saying, The Bible says! And then I rush and I interrupt them with 50 bob. Why? I cannot do that. But because he carries the favor and the anointing to do that, I have to support him. What am I doing? The anointing I'm tapping is the anointing of favor. The other thing the evangelist carries, I have to rush pretty fast, is called beauty. The Bible says in Romans 10 and in Isaiah 52 verse 7, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who carry good news. Who are these people carrying good news? These are the evangelists there are families that have never known beauty. There are congregations where they have never known beauty. There are even nations that have never known beauty. Oh, let me ask you a question. If you go today to Iran to preach and to say, the Bible says, give your life to Jesus and be saved. Will you be congratulated or will you be arrested? You will be arrested. If you went to Somalia right now, you say, the Bible says, give your life to Jesus and be saved. Will you be congratulated or will you be arrested? Now, look at those two nations. Are they beautiful? (laughs) Wherever the evangelists are rejected, there will never be beauty. Any region, oh my God, let's go to Northeastern, go to Northeastern, put their crusade, will it go through or will it face challenges? Any region where evangelism is not celebrated, there will never be beauty. And I've watched families full of talent, like the one I come from. Where evangelism has never been embraced or taken seriously. And you begin looking for beauty, you don't see it. What is the first thing I told you about evangelism? The star. The star and the shine is with evangelists. The other thing that is with evangelists is beauty. No group of men, no group of women, no office carries beauty like evangelism. And any nation that will not celebrate evangelists, they are making a contract with ugliness and with rejection. No one wants to go to Iraq. No one wants to go to Iran. No one wants to go to Saudi Arabia. No one wants to go to these countries, even if they have resources, yet they have closed their doors to the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who carry good news. The good news has a beauty. And those who block the door for good news will never know beauty. Are you feeling what I'm telling you? Are you hearing what I'm telling you? What is your prayer today? Lord, I have seen ugliness in my family. Lord, I have seen ugliness in my village. Lord, I have seen ugliness in my generation. Open the doors for evangelism, oh Lord. And when the Lord opens that door, there will be beauty. Whenever I look at TBN and all these CBN and all these Christian channels and I watch those Americans and all these people listening to the gospel and also responding to the gospel, I see so much beauty. I see so much sweetness. I see so much hope. Yet, when I flip to Al Jazeera and all these places, and I see these people who have rejected the gospel, I see so much turmoil and so much worry and so much uncertainty. Why? There is peace and beauty in the gospel, but it will take the evangelism being embraced and being celebrated. I beg God to raise mantles of evangelism among our youth. To raise mantles of evangelism among our youth. Then shall beauty be seen. Then shall multiplication be seen. Thank you Holy Spirit. I repeat, you want to shine? Love evangelism. You want to be beautiful? Love evangelism. Some of your villages, if people stopped agitating for CDF and they beg God to take crusades and platforms of evangelism, beauty will come. There was a field I was telling a couple. The other time we went to visit a couple with a pastor. And I told this couple a story. There's a field in Kisumu called Jomo Kenyatta Sports Ground when I, was, when I was in high school. And crusades used to be held in that ground. Bonke was there. Pastor Lai came there. Several big shots came there. Even T.L. Osborne, when he was T.L. Osborne, he also came there. Then one day a prophet stood and said, because this ground has received so much oil of soul winning, physically this ground is going to be transformed. When these evangelists came to that ground, it used to be full of pebbles and full of thorns. It full of broken bottles and plastics all over. In the year two thousand, the government commissioned for that ground, not other grounds, that particular ground, now to be tarmacked and to be decorated, and to be landscaped. Today, when you go to the sports ground, it is the most orderly open space in the whole of Kisumu. But wait, evangelists stood there, and by virtue of being welcome to stand there, they released physical beauty to that physical ground. A man was dying because all over his body, he had pain. And doctors came, tried to treat him. They gave up on him. They said, this one is a gone case. And every day he could scream the whole night in pain. And the family had begun to make funeral arrangements. One day, an evangelist got lost in the forest in Germany. He had gone preaching, then he missed his way. He was an American evangelist. So he lost his way and he found himself in a forest. So he didn't go to preach where he was to go and preach. And a man gathered him and told him, where are you? Where are you going to? I was going to preach, but I've lost my way. And he had one question. I love evangelists. They are the most consistent people. He said, can I be led to anyone who wants to hear the gospel? They said, "Hi, just across this forest is a village. In this village, there is a man who has been sickly and we are just waiting to bury him. So the man said, can you take me to him? They took him to him. He preached. The man accepted Jesus. And the evangelist told him, now... The one who forgives you your sins will also heal your diseases. So in the name of Jesus, be healed. Again, the guy got healed. Then he said, now, the one who has healed you is going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And the man received the baptism of the Spirit. And for the first time in the history of that area, somebody spoke in tongues. Now, this is where the story gets interesting. That man had a son, who later on also had a son, After the son was born, he was told the story. He was told, my friend, this mantle of evangelism you carry came all the way from the United States to your tiny village in Germany. The man who got saved was the grandfather of Bonke, Reinhard Bonke, a man I love with all of my heart. There was ugliness in that village. Somebody was dying. Somebody was hopeless. There was a destiny that was to put the name of this family on the world map. But it took an evangelist going with the good news. Bringing beauty out of ugliness. It breaks my heart every time I go to my village or I hear from my village. People celebrating. graduates. Oh, so and so has just come up from abroad. We are here to celebrate him. So-and-so has just bought his house. We are here to celebrate him. Oh, so-and-so has just bought a four-wheel drive. We are here to celebrate him. And never in the history of my village has there been an organized crusade for souls to be saved. No wonder with all those things they are doing, there is still ugliness. I want you to pray, young people, that like that American missionary, the Lord will lead you on a path to bring beauty where there is ugliness. The Lord will lead your children to bring beauty where there is ugliness. Remember, when you make things beautiful, when you make things beautiful, one day you reach heaven and a a huge lineage will stand and you'll be told, you know the source of this river? This river, you are the source this source of river that has brought so many healing in so many places, the source of this river that has brought so much hope among the hopeless, you are the source of that river. I repeat, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry good news. I blame evangelism for every ugly thing I'm seeing in my family. I blame evangelism I blame evangelism for Northeastern the way it is. I blame evangelism for Somalia the way it is. I blame evangelism for the way the Middle East is, is, is the way it is. I blame evangelism. My prayer for you. May the Lord give you the grace of evangelism. You may be, that, you may be like that one evangelist missionary leading one grandfather to Christ and you do not know in the future the whole world will be remembering that one man you have led to Christ. I was in high school and being a teenager I went to drink water from the tap like everybody used to go and you, you scoop and you drink water you know boys are boys eh you put your mouth in the tap another one comes put his mouth in the tap another one and they are sucking it ah, boys my god when i was a boy now i'm not a boy eh <laughs> and i went to the tap to drink water and i found a short young man i asked him what is your name he told me my name is collins what are you doing Of course, I'm here to drink water. After this, what are you going to do? I'm going to the Red Cross meeting where I'm an official. I looked at him and I told him, if I don't see you in the CU, this very moment, you will see. If I don't see you in the CU, run to the CU. The man is like, but I'm an official. I told him, Collins, if I don't see you in the CU, the boy ran, scared. He went to the CU, gave his life to the Lord in the CU. After one year, I prophesied to him. I told him, Collins. Now, listen to me. Next year, when exams are done, you will be one of the top students. But after that, when you get to Form Four, you will be among the top performers in the nation. Of course, after next year, a new group came, officials of the CU, and by the grace of God, he was elected. He was nominated as the vice chairman of the CU meaning the following year now in the form followed, lot, he became the chairman. I met Collins after high school. And before I met him, I was teaching in Mombasa by then, and I looked at the newspaper. I saw he was number 84 in the whole nation. And apart from that, he went to campus and began to, you know, join the CU and became a leader. After that, he went into the ministry. What happened to this boy? to have his life that much changed, there was an evangelical encounter, let me call it that way, of being told, run to the right place, and his soul being rescued from being a busybody with other clubs. And I could tell you story after story of souls that after giving their lives to Christ, everything about them changed. And the ugliness they were meant to carry, now they no longer carry it. Now they have a beauty. The last grace of an evangelist, which concerns all of us. I've mentioned it already in passing, but now I need to mention it in details. Are you ready? It is called the harvest. Matthew 9 39 says, behold, the field are ripe with the harvest. The field is ripe but the harvesters are few the laborers are few pray therefore that the God of harvest may send for the laborers I told you last week an apostle is a lion a prophet is an eagle a pastor is a man but an evangelist is an ox what is an ox the English men say as strong as a what as an ox An ox is strong. An ox can dig. An ox can also harvest. An ox can give fruit. An ox can bring a harvest. Never will a church like this one know a harvest till evangelists have been put in the right place. Never will your life know a harvest Till you commit to evangelism. Praying for evangelists. Sometimes I remember when I was a teenager, the Lord gave me a secret. I began fasting for the evangelists like Bonke. I began crying to the Lord for them. And that is the period my life began to expand. The anointing upon my life began to expand. The influence upon my life began to expand. You want to know a harvest? Commit to evangelism. Love evangelists. Support evangelists the the grace in the fivefold that is tasked directly with harvests is the grace of evangelism what are we going to pray for number one under the, under, under the grace of evangelists we are going to pray for the star to shine we are going to pray for brightness what are we going to pray for number two we are going to pray that in the name of Jesus, the Lord will help us to see beauty. What are we going to pray for? Number three, we are going to pray for harvest. The problem with evangelism is this. If they don't harvest, the devil will harvest. If they don't gather it, The devil will gather it. Do you know one thing? It is either people are turning in the stadium to hear the gospel or people are turning in the stadium to get entertained and to get politics. There is no two way to it. And I pray for you that God will bathe in your heart by his spirit. The Lord will bathe in your heart by his spirit to desire fields and territories captured in the harvest of evangelism. Because those fields have two reasons. They have two main objectives. Either to gather for the devil or to gather for God. To gather for God, we need evangelists. But to gather for the devil, we need these other people who are leading our people astray. In the 90s, churches began to grow in thousands. One of the churches was the church of Pastor Moiro when he was Evangelist Pius Moiro, And there was such a growth and there was such a growth and the man could go to the north. People could come fill the stadium. The man could go to the, to the, to the west. People could come fill the stadium. He could go down the coast. The stadiums were full. He could go to Uru Park. It was packed. On Sunday services, it was packed. What was going on? Evangelism was going on. Till some of these men stopped evangelizing. And they began doing other things. Then the harvest dried up. Any day men commit to the evangelism, there will be multitudes and multitudes. When they stop evangelizing, the multitudes will dry up. And those are the days, my God, I remember those days with nostalgia. Those are the days men could commit to giving to these people and they were not broke. Did you notice that under Moe's era, there was so much dysfunction in the government, but people are not broke. And those were the days of evangelism. When Kibaki came in, evangelism began to dry up. And money began to dry in people's pockets. Joy began to disappear from the nation. (laughs) Show me a land where the harvest for souls is the main thing. I'll show you a land where people are full of joy. The Bible says, and Philip went down to Samaria, and he preached there the good news, and the city was full of joy. There are territories where there is no joy because there is no evangelism. There are families where there is no joy because there is no evangelism. We are going to pray for the star to shine again, for the brightness of God to shine again. We are going to pray even for for the grace, you know, the grace of beauty to come down again. You know, there were days uh, the likes of Nanga were honored and loved. Not because they were perfect, but because there was nothing in their heart like, get saved, get saved. They did everything. They even made tracks and re- they wrote songs for Jesus. Those were the days they even had legitimate money coming into their hands. How many remember those days? When evangelists were evangelists. The days of evangelists were Nelson. She could go to Uhuru Park. things could happen there. The place was packed. Till they began to do these other things like, we want to build this, we want to do this. Oh, we just want to have a conference and we want to motivate the people. They stopped winning souls. They began to, whatever they did, and the blessing of the harvest lifted. Let me shock you. There are Christians in the United States who are not very prayerful like you are. There are Christians in the United States and even in Europe, some some places in Europe, who are not as spiritual as you are. But they have made a commitment that they won't break. Do you know the commitment? They have made a commitment to support soul winning. Some of them have a standing order in their bank accounts. Every month deduct from my account $10,000 to go to soul winning. Those Christians keep multiplying, even financially, even in their business, even in their health. The most favored men, I repeat, are the evangelists. And whoever will commit to evangelism will not favor. How many are going to pray for evangelists? How many are going to support them from today? How many where you can you will win souls? The Bible says he who wins souls will be wise. Finally, want us look at the teacher. Time is out. Want us look at the teacher. Teaching and evangelism goes hand in hand. Because immediately these people are won to Christ, somebody must ground them in their faith. Let me shock you again. Are you aware? the most big churches, especially in the United States, are churches of teachers. Lakewood Church, led by Joel Austin, it is a teaching church. The church of Joyce Meyer, I don't know how it is called. It is a teaching church. They are the largest. Because When people are grounded, they don't move up and down. They sit still. You want to see a stillness and a steadiness in your life. Commit to the teaching of the word. Now, there are a few things a teaching office carries. Let me run you through evangelism. Number one is what? The shining star, right? Number two, beauty. Number three, harvest. Now our teacher carries something slightly different. And this one will call for a small reading. Can I read? Matthew, no. Luke, the last chapter, chapter 24. Luke, chapter 24. The last chapter, which is actually the last chapter. The Bible talks about Jesus teaching these people. From verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools, if the Bible is yours, underline the word fools. <laughs> if it is not yours, underline the word wisdom. <laughs> o fools, underline the word fools. And slow of art, underline the word slow. And slow of art to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Underline the word have spoken. 26. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded. Underline the word expounded. He expounded unto them in all the scripture. Underline the word all the scripture. In all the scriptures. The things that concerning the things concerning himself, and I learned the word concerning himself. 28. And and they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. 29. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is fast spent. And I learned the word abide with us. And he went into to tarry with them 30 and it came to pass as he sat at meat with them and underline the word sat as he sat at meat with them he took bread and blessed it and broke and gave to them 31 that is the climax now and their eyes were opened and they knew and he vanished out of their sight and underline the word opened and underline the word knew their eyes were opened and they knew. At this time, Jesus is not prophesying, so he's not operating in the grace of a prophet. At this time, Jesus is not evangelizing to them. He's not telling them to get saved. At this time, Jesus is not even pastoring them and sitting with them for days. Because one of the graces of a pastor, he has to sit year by year, month by month. Jesus is not sitting with them for long. Jesus is simply teaching them from the scriptures. As he's teaching them what is going on, foolishness is dropping down. As he's teaching them what is going on, slowness is being done away with. As he's teaching them what is going on, they are becoming activated in their eyes to see. As he's teaching them what is happening, they are beginning to have what we call true spiritual knowledge. Many are fools not because they didn't get A's in school, but because the grace of a teacher is yet to come on them. Many are slow, not because they can't run 100 meters, but because the grace of a teacher is yet to come on them. But remember, it is teaching leading to Jesus. It is not teaching of concepts and things. It is a teaching leading to Jesus. There is teaching, but there is a teaching that is focused on Jesus. This teaching will always remove foolishness. Some of you have no idea what I call foolishness. Do you know foolishness? What Jesus calls foolishness? It will shock you when I tell you. Can I tell you? This is what Jesus means by foolishness. Anything that does not see him is foolishness. Anything that does not see Jesus is foolish. Anything that does not understand Jesus is foolish. Anything that does not glorify Jesus is foolish. Foolish. Anything that has not embraced Jesus is foolish. A fool says in his heart there is no God. Why is he saying in his heart? He's saying in his heart because in his heart the Lord is not dwelling there clearly. No wonder his heart now can say there is no God. And I've met men looking so sharp and so good and so glorious but before God. There was nothing in them but foolishness. Why? They are yet to see Jesus. There were two brothers. I like giving this illustration. There are two brothers. One was so smooth, so gifted, so perfect. The Bible says his father used to trust him and he could deliver any time. His name was Esau. Esau was the gifted one. Esau was the chap chap one. Esau was the one you sent if you needed your building constructed within two months. Esau could give you results like this. But a prophet later on says, thus says the Lord, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. Why is Esau hated? Esau is only gifted, but he's not godly. Everything he sees before him is his appetite. Everything he sees before him is his performance. He never sees God, therefore he doesn't fear God. Esau is foolish. And today we have so many Esaus. The ones who can deliver, but they have no God. The ones who can speak so eloquently, but they don't fear God. Their prophets have been looking at, and the Lord really used them to humble me. And I know this is going to rub some of you the wrong way. When they stood up, they began to prophesy about a man. And God says, he is wise. He has my wisdom in him. He has my knowledge in him. This other one who is living the scene, he is a fool and a traitor to my people. My God, I was shocked. The man God is calling wise, every day in CNN, he's called a buffoon and a fool. Yet when God looks at him because he has the fear of God in him, God calls him wise. Why? Because when God is talking, the man listens. The other one who all of you respect, God kept calling a fool and a traitor. Listen to me. These two disciples have sat with Jesus, okay? They have listened to Jesus teach. As a result, their foolishness is removed. Before Jesus began walking with them, they were only walking with ideas and with rumors. Oh, he died the other day. Oh, Jerusalem's... They were only rumor-mongering when they were walking. They were not sitting with Jesus. The moment they sat with Jesus, their foolishness was removed. I tell you the truth. Anytime you are busy walking, and your walk, the Lord is not walking there with you. Anytime you are busy sitting, and in your sitting, the Lord is not sitting there with you. Anytime you are busy breaking bread, and in your breaking bread, the Lord is not there with you, you have officially become a candidate for foolishness and for slowness. These men are walking like some of you have been walking. These men are later on talking among themselves. But as they are talking, because Jesus is not literally their center of their walk, the center of their conversation, heaven looks at them and calls them foolish. And I've met men of God, so much known all over the world. Some of them wore very expensive clothes. Some of them had very big titles, like the title of Angel Michael. And when the Holy Ghost spoke to me, he told me that one is a fool. Leave him alone. Why? He is yet to sit under Jesus and hear from the words of Jesus. The scriptures he knows have not been taught by Jesus. They have been taught by his own memory. As a result, he is a fool and he is slow. What will teaching do to you? Teaching will make you wise. Paul says, now you have known the scriptures, oh, Timothy, which are able to instruct you in the way of salvation and in wisdom. There is a teaching that makes you wise. It is the teaching of Jesus. There is also a teaching that makes you chap-chap. It makes you quick. This teaching is of Jesus. But I love what the verse says there. When it talks about their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened. After it was opened, they knew him. What is the opposite of an eye that is not open? What is the opposite of an eye that is not opened? Blind. There is physical blindness. There is spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness happens when people are yet to see Jesus. Yet to sit under Jesus. And so many of them in our families are yet to sit under Jesus. So many of them in our families are yet to be able to hear from Jesus. And many know the knowledge of how to open a computer. Many know the knowledge of how to open the boot of a car and the bonnet of a car. But they have no knowledge of the person of Jesus. No wonder their future is shaky. No wonder their future is going nowhere. We are going to pray for evangelists. And we are going to desire that grace of evangelism. But next, I want us to pray for the teachers. Let us desire that the grace that makes men to see, the grace that makes men to be quick, the grace that makes men to know the right thing, the grace that makes men to sit down, it will come upon us. I love it in this church of uh, John Cawson. Men as rich as rich can get, they gather every Wednesday evening for two good hours. To do nothing but to sit under the teaching of the scripture. They are not clamoring for anything. They are not looking for anything. They just want to be taught. I love it. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart with so much joy. And it makes me wish that all the people of my nation can be like this man. There are churches that are prospering out here not because the pastor sweats a lot like I do but because the men have come to understand the knowledge, I mean the blessing that comes from teaching and year after year, week after week they are not tired to sit down and be taught. Elder Lucy, since I came to D.C. not more than five people in this church have told me I want to sit down and be taught. Many want prayers. Few want teachings. I was in a rally somewhere <laughs> and when I was leaving, the guys began to run after me. Man of God, just pray for me. Just prophesy to me. Man of God. Man. And they wanted to snatch something. Then they ran back to their lives. Few are telling me, can I just get your contact and know these things you are talking about? I love what Dr. Mulongo was quoting about Priscilla and Aquila, taking a famous preacher called Apollos. Then they sat him down and they expounded to him more clearly the way of the Lord. As a result, the ministry of Apollos began to be solid and rooted and deep and more prosperous because this man sat down and a grace came on him for expansion and for establishment. I pray for you, those of you who are parents and those of you who are going to be parents in the future. May the grace come on your children for them to love teaching. Do you know this generation does not love teaching? They love chatting. They love laughing. You know, they love traveling. They love sightseeing. They love photographing and selfieing and all these things but few love teaching. There are a few youths here. Some of them are not here today. Every time I've told them, now, 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 come with your pen and your paper. Write this book. I want you to go and read it. Ah. They live there frustrated. Ah. Ah. And then I tell them, now after you have read it, come and see me. We look at the few chapters. Right hand to God. No, left hand to God. None of them has come back with a book that I told them to read. None of them has come for us to discuss a chapter for my two years that I've been in this church. I've been suggesting books to people and none has ever come to say, now, man of God, I have read this. What does this mean? Do you remember the Bereans? The Bible says they were noble not because they spoke in tongues a lot, But because they studied a lot, they compared what they read a lot, and even what they had, they went back comparing. They are the grace of a teacher, the grace of teaching. There's a spirit, we call it the spirit of unteachableness. It is one of the signs of pride, and I could add with with my own words, it is one of the signs of a man who is going nowhere. Few love to be taught. In fact, if you want this place to be empty, tell them tomorrow for one hour we are going to be teaching. My gosh. Yet it is in the teaching where there is growth, there is depth, there is stability. I told you, the evangelist is the door of the church. He swings, they come in. He swings, they go out. But the teacher is the pillar. How long this thing will last does not depend so much apart from the pillars. I pray for you that the grace of a teacher will come on you and it will come on your children. They will love knowledge. They will love wisdom. They will love to be taught. They will love also to teach. One of the qualifications Paul gives for a deacon and uh, an elder in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, the main spiritual qualification apart from character is the ability to teach. Then again, it demands of elders. They must be able to teach their own children. Do you know there are parents who cannot teach their children because either they don't value teachings or because the children will not listen. Whenever a man wants to take authority as an elder in the body of Christ, he must be able to teach. And one of the things we are going to do one of the things you are going to do now that you are youths, you are going to ask the Lord, give me a teachable spirit and teach me everything I need to know before I come to it. Some of you are not married. Have you been taught about marriage? Some of you are not parents. Have you been taught about parenting? Some of you are not yet famous. Have you been taught about fame? Because teaching, I repeat, opens the door for the real experience. You will always be foolish till you are taught. You will always be slow till you are taught. You will always be lost till you are taught. And I dare say, you will never go beyond the teachings you have received. You are as great as the teachings you have received. So let me summarize the grace of a teacher. The grace of a teacher removes foolishness. The grace of a teacher removes slowness. The grace of a teacher opens eyes. The grace of a teacher brings knowledge. Do you know some of you, if we can just teach you how to cast out devils, without even laying hands, we teach you properly, this is how devils are cast out, you will begin to cast them out. Do you know some of you, if we taught you, this is how you heal the sick, without guessing, you will heal the sick. Do you know some of you, if we taught you, this is how you operate in word of knowledge and wisdom, you will begin to operate. The knowledge is in teaching. But the teaching must be about Christ, not about concepts and things. It must be about Christ. Why do I say it must be about Christ? There were Pharisees and teachers, right? So Jesus came in, and he already found there were teachers, apart from himself. Now, these Pharisees and the the, the teachers, they were not able to produce anything because they were teaching things. They were not teaching a person. So the teaching that is going to produce results must be purely focused on the person of Jesus. The more you focus on Jesus, describing him, describing his plan, describing his art, describing his mind, the more knowledge that is powerful will begin to manifest. I pray for you in the name of Jesus. May the Lord grant you the grace to overcome every foolishness May the Lord grant you the grace to overcome every sluggishness. May the Lord grant you the grace to overcome every blindness. May the Lord grant you the grace to overcome every lack of knowledge in Jesus' name. I met a group of men in the year 2009. And they began to teach me about heaven because most of them, there were about seven in number, and each of them began to teach me about heaven, because all of them had been taken to visions of heaven. And as I listened with an open heart, after a few months, I also began to have experiences of being taken to heaven like them. The same group also began to teach me about operating in precise words of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of prophecy. They didn't lay hands on me, they just taught me. And as I sat under their teaching, the things they were describing, I began to manifest. There is nothing that can be taught that cannot be caught. Repeat that. That was a tongue twister. (laughs) What was that? there is nothing that can be taught that cannot be caught I'm almost tempted to say sit and get behind me because some people are twisting my words there is nothing that can be taught that cannot be taught that cannot be caught Let me now qualify that statement. Everything that you can be taught, you can have. Everything that you can be taught, you can catch, you can have. My brother, my sister, if you are to meet a man who has met Jesus physically and he begins to teach you how he lived before he met Jesus, what happened when he met Jesus, what happened after he met Jesus, how his life now is because he's meeting Jesus as you listen with your mind and with your heart and you widen it up, believe you me, you will soon begin to have those similar experiences. Why are the Muslims not coming to Jesus? Because every time they meet their leaders, they are being taught how to oppose Jesus. Why did some of you fare badly in school because the teachers kept telling you how you are going to fail. Why did some of you make it? Because somebody kept teaching you how you are going to make it. And why did some of you, despite being taught well, you did not catch anything? Because you did not open your heart. We are going to pray that the Lord will send true teachers And the hearers will be true hearers. Because whatever can be taught can be caught. I was taught about heaven. And I thank God, two or six, I remember reading the first book about heaven by Rick Joyner, The Final Quest. And I read it, sometimes I could kneel down as I'm reading it. And I could be speaking in tongues as I'm reading it. Because I say, Lord, and let me give you wisdom. Can I give you wisdom? Anytime you are reading a genuine book, including the Bible ask the Lord not to waste your time, but to take you to the destination of what that book is saying. Oh, and I saw heaven. In fact, there's a prophet who was saying yesterday, I was listening on YouTube, he was saying if you want to go to heaven in a visitation, read Revelation chapter 5 and chapter 4. Every day, read read it, read it, read it with faith, read it because it describes heaven. As you are reading it, you will be provoking it to manifest to you. I believe it because it has worked for me. So I could be reading Rick Joyner final quest: How the man is taken to heaven. He missed these angels and the, he meets Jesus and he meets these saints in heaven. And as I'm reading it, I'm speaking in tongues and opening my heart. Before I knew it, that became my life. Because whatever can be taught can be caught. Some of you, yes, you are reading, but you are reading his mentor. It is not emotional. It is not from the heart. It is not with an open heart. Some of you, you've been listening to me relating stories, and you're like, wow, I don't even remember what he said. Because you are just rubbing with your mind. Begin rubbing with your heart. Oh, I love it. Is it uh, Proverbs chapter? I love quoting it. Proverbs chapter 13. I think verse 10, that says, he who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. What does it mean to walk with the wise? It means that thing they are describing, you begin imagining it, you begin to embrace it, you begin to receive it. Oh, do you see how powerful teaching is? A man describes heaven, and because he has taught it, and you have received it, you begin to have it. I have no time to waste with motivational speakers. Nowadays, I am more into this man teaching about the glory, this man describing the glory. And as I'm, re- as I'm receiving that teaching, I begin to open up my heart expecting to see glory. What are you doing around men describing failure and describing cancer? In fact, I wanted to tell pastor last week that we take authority and we forbid the spirit of cancer over Kenya. Do you know why? People began to describe cancer when Colimo died. Symptoms of cancer. What happens in stage one? What, As if we are going there. Oh, stage one happens like this. Stage two happens like this. When you see this, know that you have it. They were preparing us to have cancer. In the name of Jesus, before we waste time, we bind the spirit of cancer. We remove the spirit of cancer. We remove the reality of cancer. We forbid cancer. We refuse cancer in the name of Jesus. Girls, never read about divorce and what happens when people go through divorce if you want to keep your marriage. Oh, infertility. This is what happens when you are infertile. And this is what happens. This is how to know infertility. Stop it. Read about children and the joy of children, Rabba Shanda. Read about children and the joy of children. Read about how milk comes. Some of you are even reading about Caesarean section. What are you preparing for? You are preparing for the knife. Read about natural birth and the advantages of natural birth and the beauty of natural birth. Why? Because whatever you here being taught, what will happen? You will catch. Give me men walking in glory. Show me how they look like. Show me how they talk. Show me how they do praise and worship. Show me how they read their Bible. Show me how they pray because I want to become like them. I want them to be my teachers for the next level where I'm going to. So these people begin to sit under Jesus and he begins to open scriptures. And soon, their eyes were opened. Amashandoro There are youth struggling with masturbation not because of the devil, but because of what they went teaching and learning. And as they learned about, you know, sensuality and all these wrong things, the spirit came on them. Now this is what to do. You need to learn about the beauty of purity and the joy of purity and the possibility of purity and the blessedness of purity. And listen to men who have made it, not men who have lost it. Listen to them. Listen to women who have made it. As you are sucking into this as you are receiving this, what happens to you? You become what you behold. I have to stop. So, let me ask like a, a joker. Who wants to go on visions of heaven? One of these days, you want to be taken to heaven. Oh, there are those who hate heaven. God punished the devil. Now, what you do there are books of men who have gone to heaven. One of them I've described, Rick a Final Quest, and the call, read it but with an open heart. I remember when I was in high school, there was a man called Maurice Rulo. I mean, know Maurice Rulo. He had a ministry. <laughs> and he used to have magazines, Red in Color, called GSN, Global Satellite Network. And he used to relate to people how the Lord is using him to, you know, do evangelism and what have you. I used to take those books. And those magazines. And an evangelist came to our school. And he turned our all upside down. He said how you usually used to read those books. Kneeling down with fasting. And begging God that whatever Cerullo is walking in, he also wants to walk in it. And as he bowed down and kept, you know, receiving those teachings. Soon, his ministry began to be transformed. For the first time, he began seeing himself. Raising the dead. The dead began to rise. For the first time, he could stand and manifestations could begin to happen. Why? He had not just read with his mind. He had read with his heart. How many are going to ask the Lord for the grace to read with their hearts? And the grace to speak from their hearts. I misquoted Proverbs 13, 10. It should be Proverbs 13, 20. I like to be a bit accurate. Proverbs 13, 20. He walks with the wise, become wise. But a companion of fools will suffer harm. Begin to walk with the wise. In your prayer, pray that the Lord will give you a company of wisdom. The Bible says men travel from all over the world to come and behold the wisdom of Solomon. Today, you don't have to take a physical journey to go and behold wisdom in Solomon because a greater one than Solomon lives in you is the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray this night, release the fire once again. The fire to be taught and to teach. The fire to sit and to cause others to sit down. The fire to overcome foolishness. The grace, my father, to be wiser than we already are. Lord, you are telling me right now that you are willing to give teachers but you are first looking for learners to learn. Looking for men and women who will sit down. Men and women who will listen. And I pray in the name of Jesus, cause us to listen so that eventually we can also be listened to. There is a harvest also waiting for us as we evangelize and as we support those who evangelize, let this harvest come on us. May we be harvesters, not scatterers. And wherever we come from, regions where there is scattering of marriages, scattering of resources, may the grace of evangelism now begin to gather it. Let there be a harvest of joy. Let there be a harvest of miracle signs and wonders. Holy Spirit of God, We look to you. Support us. Anoint us. Equip us. Project through us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The territory you want for us to go and harvest. The ugly pictures that you want us to go and paint as beautiful. Project to us by your power, Lord, the dimming stars that needs to be brightened through our lives. Make us the evangelists after your own heart. Make us the teachers after your own heart. In Jesus' name. There's a prayer I want you to go and pray. Are you usually praying these prayers? Are you usually praying them? (laughs) There's a prayer I want you to go and pray. And this will not leave you the same. Every one of you there is a specific territory the Lord designed for you to travel and to cover. Ask the Lord to lose your feet to travel in those territories. Ask the Lord to allow you to cover those territories and to bring in the harvest. The day the Lord opened my eyes as a teenager and I discovered, oh... I'm not called to this city where I was born. Oh, I was called for the whole world. I did not waste time to look for my passport. Immediately I turned 18. I began preparing to get a passport. When you know your territory, you will plan accordingly. You will will pray accordingly. Evangelism is about going to the territory meant for you. Not the territory meant for another person. Youths, I want us to go and pray like we have never prayed this week. That we will not be chained to any unnecessary territory. We will be loosed to the necessary territory. Oh God, this is burning and mad. There is no harvest without a specification of territory. You will never have a harvest if you don't know your territory. Some of you are meant to go to the north. Tell the Lord to take you there as soon as possible. Some of you need to go to the south. Tell the Lord to take you there as soon as possible. Whenever he has prepared you, let him release you to that territory. Why? We need to see the harvest. The Bible says, how will they go? unless they are sent. The Lord need to send you, but he's sending you to your territory. Do you know some of you, the way you are going to get jobs? Can I give you a secret? When you begin to ask the Lord, I want to work around the men you meant for me to work, so that I can lead them to you. Let me tell you how you can bribe God. Touch one word called souls; He will give you anything. In fact, I've been telling him, Lord, I don't want to waste time Praying for people to be healed. I want to declare them healed and they get healed so that I preach quickly and win more souls. Give me the anointing. I repeat know your territory and ask the Lord now to send you to the right territory. An ox does not just walk about like a zebra. An ox does not just walk around like a gazelle. An ox walks in a line, plowing one place at a time. Plowing one line at a time. Never will an ox just be aimless. As an ox, as an evangelist, don't be aimless. And sometimes we need to ask the Lord, take me away from those who are making me aimless and pointless and fruitless. Take me away. Mm. Do you know something, Elder Lucy? This is how reckless I am. I told the Lord, do not ever take me to a place where I will be tolerated. I want only to go where I'm celebrated. Because when I'm tolerated, there will be no fruit. And Lord, I've not been called for, for fruitlessness. Some of you need to ask the Lord, Lord, take me where there will be a harvest. And if this job is not bringing a harvest, take me where there will be a harvest. Take me to the people who will listen. If these ones are not going to listen to me. (laughs) Oh, dear God, I have a dream to go to all the nations of the world. And this is my excuse because I know they will listen when I speak. And I told the Lord, any nation where they will not listen to me, do not allow me to go. The, the place where I will be listened to, take me there. And this afternoon when I was preaching to those, those men in that rally, I told them, listen, I have only one hour. And the God I serve has only one hour with you. If you open your heart, you will get your a miracle. Those of you who are sick, you will be healed. Those of you who are not, uh, are not baptized in the spirit, you will be baptized. If you are ready, you are ready. If you are not ready, you are not ready. I not play with the harvest. When the harvest is there, I scoop it. I don't talk to it. I scoop it. <laughs> any city where Jesus was rejected, what did he do? He left. He even told the disciples, "Shake off the, the the what the dust from your feet." That is a sign that as oxen, as oxen, as evangelists, we are not to be tied in any unproductive area. You people who are so religious are not even saying amen. amen. <laughs> I repeat, as evangelists, we cannot be tied to any unproductive area. Amen. We cannot be tied to sitting in the house when we should not be sitting in the house. Amen. We cannot be tied to, you know, being in one locality when we should be in ten localities. Amen. The grace of an evangelist is the grace of go And you need a go in your job. You need a go in your marital status. Do you know some of the things you can say, girls and boys? Lord, if it will take marriage for me now to evangelize better, get me married. Some of you, you need to say, Lord, if it will take a new car for me to evangelize better, get me a new car. Lord, if it will take living in a better neighborhood for me to evangelize better, get me to that neighborhood. But whatever it will take for the harvester to have his machine ready, the Lord is willing to give it if you are willing to take it. (laughs) Oh, dear God. Because one of the most anointed people you'll ever come across is the evangelist. Because God will give them anything it will take to convince souls to get to heaven. So we going to pray for the grace of the evangelist. The grace of a harvester. The grace of a, you know, a beautician, so to speak. Thank you, Lord. Let's be on our feet. I've told you that the evangelist is the door, the church, the roof is the pastor, the pillars are the teachers. The evangelist is the door. The apostle and the prophet are the foundations. There's a covenant I want us to make tonight. And this will change your life. Some of you may make it when you go home, when it has really sunk in you. This is a covenant I want you to make. Ask the Lord. To open the doors that will lead to the salvation of souls. And whichever door will not lead to the salvation of souls, may the Lord excuse you from it. May the Lord deliver you from it. If that door will mean you getting a new job just to win souls, may the Lord get you a new job. If that job will mean you getting married just for souls to be saved, may you get married. If that job means traveling to another nation just to win the source God enabled, uh, intended for you to win, may the Lord open that door. In two minutes, I want us to pray that prayer. Are we ready? Get a partner. Let us agree together.